Matthew, this is Grandpa. Don't call me about this game because I don't even want to talk about it anymore. Uh, I think we're going to see some heads roll and some changes made by uh, before the next game. Well, bye. Cheers. Bye. Welcome to the Sin of Our Fathers podcast. I'm your host, Mark Kuhn, joined as always by my oldest brother, Michael Kuhn. Yep. And my middle brother, Matthew Kuhn. Hey, guys. Matthew is uh, off location, um, tending to his bride, who is uh, sick right now. Um, But you guys just heard from Grandpa, who apparently won't be calling into the show anytime soon, (laughs) because he's completely fed up. He's had it. I like how he, like, it was uns- an unsolicited voicemail. Yeah, he was proactive about it. Yeah. He, he, he didn't wait for us no. to call. He was like, nope, don't want anything to do with it. Thank you very oh, much. Oh, he apparently waited for the game to be over. I got this voicemail when I was pulling out of the driveway, leaving after the game was over. <laughs> like, this is the first thing that he did after the game was over, was call to tell me that he didn't want to talk about it. You can hear it in his voice. It's absolutely hilarious. Um... But what wasn't hilarious is the pain that caused that frustration. Uh, The game was absolutely atrocious. A disappointment upon disappointment. This was the pivotal game that we thought. The the easier part of our schedule is coming up. If we can just win this game, we can start to string uh, a couple wins together and maybe have a chance to keep it. But it wasn't even like a, if we can just pull it together to win this game. It It was was like, we should. We absolutely should win this game. Like, we are more talented. They are starting Brandon Allen, who's never taken a snap as an NFL quarterback. Like, there is no reason to believe the Browns shouldn't win this game. But, lo and behold, here we are. um, Tasting another loss. Sitting at two and six. Two and six. Ugh. (laughs) At the beginning of this season, I was like, huh, maybe our name's not going to be relevant anymore. Like, us and, like, surviving the season. Like, maybe it will be good enough that it's going to be like, oh, why? that's a silly name for a podcast. Our name will always be relevant because <laughs> of the amount of pain we've endured over time. Regardless of how good the Browns become, our name will always be relevant. If they ever become good. Uh, so, absolutely atrocious. Brandon Allen. He had a pretty good game. I don't want to talk about Brandon Allen. He was not good. He was, he was good enough. He was fine. He made a couple like good throws. He had a couple good like touch throws, but he was not good. He had two touchdowns and no interceptions. They schemed around him well. To me, the biggest thing that I took away from this game was it seemed like the coaching staff for the Broncos put together a really great game plan for Brandon Allen to succeed. They didn't ask him to do too much. He did deliver in a couple of spots where he needed to. Ran for a couple of first downs when they needed to move the chains. Made a couple of touch passes. And he did enough. Didn't turn the ball over, really. And it was great. And that's how they won. The Browns were more talented, but couldn't put a game plan together to win the game. On defense or on offense. And it seemed so darn obvious in this particular matchup it's disappointing and i don't think that coming into this game i would have given the broncos coaching staff an advantage over the browns in in experience or otherwise i mean you've got vic fangio who's been a successful defensive coordinator in the league but his team has struggled so far 
um, in his first year as a head coach. Um, and frankly, I don't really even can't name their offensive staff. Um, but they did. They put together a much simpler game plan that was effective against our defense. And our defense has been so soft through the middle ever since Kirksey went down and Randall hasn't been playing. And even when he's been on the field, he hasn't been good. Um, and we just don't have the guys in the middle, I don't think, to effectively stop like uh, a, a simple offense that utilizes the tight end. We could make ta- like I just don't even I don't know if it's being soft over the middle. I agree with you. That's definitely the weakness of our defense. I'm not disputing your point, but like that Noah Fant touchdown in particular, that like, was soft. that's just that's just us not making tackles. Like it was terrible. I, the team wasn't ready to play. It didn't feel like, and they just don't have the right mental makeup to come back and win a game. Like we got down seven zero after a pretty impressive Cortland Sutton catch. I do think Denzel Ward could have made a play on that ball. That was a little bit frustrating. He played it the coverage just about perfectly, and then didn't attack the ball. I mean, I think that's a lesson learned there, basically. When you're outmatched like that, you don't wait for the ball to come to you for the interception. You have to go attack the ball so that you prevent the the bigger, more athletic receiver from catching it at the high point. Yeah, I think he could have got his hips turned around, but I... His hips were turned around. His hips were turned around. He was waiting to catch it, like, underhanded. He was ready for it to drop in his breadbasket instead of holding his arm up in order to get the ball out of there. And yeah. if he had held his arm up, he could have easily knocked the ball out. His head had been yeah. turned for a while. No, his head was turned, but his hips weren't turned. He was still running the one direction and was just going to let it drop in. I think he could have turned his hips all the way out and attacked the ball, exactly like you're saying. But also, I don't blame him in that because the ball was going right into his hands and just made an outstanding play. Um, I mean, I mean it's something like hard to court- in there. Cortland Sutton just goes up and just completely mosses him. You can't, uh, you can't do anything about that. He's on top of the receiver. He's on top of the receiver uh, and has inside position. Like that—that's where exactly where you want to be. Yeah. Any any receiver, most receivers in the league outside of Cortland Sutton aren't aren't able to make that play. I do think it's a lesson learned. I want to go back to something Michael said. You said the players aren't prepared to play. What do you mean by that? Because, I mean, that, that's kind of a vague statement that could mean a lot of things. Like, do you, do you think they're not, like, like mentally focused? Do you think that they, they didn't have the requisite game plan in place? To, yeah, to no, it's more of face? a, like, my what? take is it's more on the coaches. And I just don't think the team is in a, like, is together enough and has enough of a game plan in place where they feel confident in what they're doing. You watch both sides of the ball, and it doesn't appear that anyone is sure of what they're doing. Jarvis Landry had to call a timeout yesterday because Odell Beckham was lined up incorrectly, and they wanted and he wanted to avoid the penalty that would have been called. So we wasted a timeout because we just aren't lined up right. That's Odell Beckham's fault. That's like I don't know exactly whose fault that is. But the well-coached teams don't have that happen. It just doesn't happen. 
on teams that are like well put together and have a good game plan where people understand where they're supposed to be and what's going on. And they're more well prepared. We are not well prepared for any game. And I've been able to make excuses for the team up until this game. And I completely just tipped over the edge after this game. Like, there is no excuses left. I don't want to blow anything up by any means. But this might be the first time where I'd be okay with Jimmy Haslam doing whatever he decides to do. <laughs> like, that, I, that like does dangerous. that make sense? Does, yes, that, does it, that make sense? Like, it, it makes sense, but you're a desperate man that's backed into a corner. I don't know that that's the right decision. <laughs> Unleash I, the Haslam. <laughs> it's just so frustrating. The players seem to think that they're well-prepared, but they're clearly not. Like, you hear Baker in the press conference. He's like, yeah, we had a fantastic game plan, the best game plan we've had yet. Like, we're ready to go. But... They're clearly not. The thing that's most frustrating to me is we cannot string a game together where our offense and defense plays well together. Our defense was awful. Awful. They started the out okay, but then throughout the game, we couldn't make a... Like, I don't know if it was that we couldn't make a stop or if it was just that we were allowing these like really big plays that seemed to be a result of a lack of effort on our part. At the most critical times, we give up the worst drives. Like after we don't convert that fourth down conversion, we give them the ball at the five-yard line. When we're about to go ahead in the game, we'd let them drive 95 yards. I I mean, it's just like you you can't win games like that at critical junction points. Like you can't give that up. And it's just so incredibly frustrating. Do you see Baker Mayfield's post game press conference? And I, how disheveled he was. Oh, and just it, dejected. I've been, and, I've been getting a good laugh out of all of the tweets <laughs> about like how much aging being on the Browns for a year and a half will put on a man's life. It's one point five years with the Browns. Okay, like, the other best part is: Did you realize that he shaved twice? Like, yeah, he had to. at Mile High Stadium. He walked in with a full beard. During the game, he had that like long extended like mustache. The yeah. 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 Handlebar mustache, and at the post game press conference, he just had the mustache. He had yeah. shaved off the like lower part of it. Yeah, he didn't want to look silly with the sad and silly. Um. Yeah, there's there's only so much. Even Baker Mayfield has a limit to his to his kind of bravado. You can't you can't lose a game and show up to the post game press conference with a Fumanchu. No, I don't think you can. So, Michael, you're putting. But he lot- chose to keep the mustache, which is an interesting choice. Which I, well, I think it's November. I mean, I think he has to. Yeah. Uh, so, Michael, you're putting the loss entirely on preparation. Well, I, I wasn't willing until this week to like get to that point, but I just don't see a team that's together, and I don't know who else to blame but the coaching staff. Whenever that's the case, like, and I, I during the game we were talk, I, I was mentioning how it seems like such a waste of talent that we have on defense. Like if I was an opposing offensive coordinator, I don't think I'd be scared to play the Browns at all, but you look at the talent on the team and it seems like you should be able to scheme up a defense that is pretty darn good, can force some turnovers, can be intimidating, can be hard to manage up front. But right now, Matthew, you made the point while we were watching, like, it just kind of seems like we were lining up and hoping for guys to win one-on-one, which... Yeah, I mean, 
like basically that's what we've been doing is lining up and hoping our D line wins one on one, which we we haven't been super consistently so far this year. But also the the rest of the talent on our defense I don't think is lived up to the expectations that we've had, especially through the center. I mean, Randall has missed games this year, and even when he's on the field, he's probably been worse than when he's off. Um, we have the injury of linebacker with Kirksey out. We're, we're playing Mac Wilson. He has moments where he looks good, but there's also moments where he gives up huge plays. Yeah, I don't think defense. the positive he'll, outweighs the negative with Mac Wilson right now the at wrong all. Gap, and he's, he's given up huge, huge plays. If I'm an opposing offensive coordinator, I'm just attacking the middle of our defense. Because outside of Joe Schobert, we've got nothing. Hit the tight ends, hit the slot receivers, because our safeties and linebackers aren't doing anything to slow it down. Fortunately, Joe Schobert is one of the best pass-defending middle linebackers in the league, but I, I agree. I think it's our safeties. Our safeties can't hang with anybody. Our safeties can't make tackles. Our safeties can't... Um, bail out the linebackers whenever uh, the running back breaks through the second level. Um, and they, and they can't cover. When we, when we put them, when we play like the big nickel and we have um, Eric Murray in the slot, like he consistently is a step behind his receiver and gives up gives up the reception. Well, and then some Eric Murray wasn't the problem catch. in this game. Eric Murray didn't play in this game. Well, I, I know, but I'm, I'm saying even when we're at full strength, it hasn't worked. Well, we were saying going into this game that uh, there was a chance if we win this game that we could still make the playoffs. All hopes are dashed. It is completely... I mean, unless we run the table. Yep, that is our only option. If we run the table, we can make the playoffs. But it, it infuriated me. I was so freaking pissed off last night. After And it was twofold. And I texted both of you and told you how angry I was. It was that we lost that game. And the one game that we've actually put it all together this entire year is against the Ravens. And we beat the Ravens by 15 points. We absolutely dominated the Ravens. We were clearly the better team. I was so freaking happy because we beat them in Baltimore. It was fantastic. And to lose this game to the Broncos and then that get home and sit down and watch the Ravens-Patriots game and have that juxtapose to watching the Ravens beat the Patriots on primetime, it was just infuriating to me. It, it was just infuriating to how have. long did it take you both to get over this loss? Like how long before that? Before I felt all right again. Yes. Uh, I think I woke up this morning and I, I felt just fine. I wasn't thinking about the Browns when I first woke up this morning. I was thinking about the work that I had to do. I woke up this morning and I was pissed. <laughs> I was real pissed. Like I <laughs> was angry. You guys can probably tell by the like by by our takes that Michael thinks about the Browns a whole lot more than I do. Oh. It doesn't so I it, think, it does I think not. I was angry. I was angry during the game and to be honest by the time the game ended like I just realized that this team isn't very good. But it and is. Like, that is absurd. But we're not. But it We're is not. the players that we have on this team are quite, quite They should good. be good. They should be good, but Matthew's point is accurate. Like they aren't good. Yes, they aren't good. Obviously by our record, we are two and six. We're not good. The the players on the team are good. I we agree. have all the things that we should need to be a good team. Whereas when we were losing a couple years ago, 
I didn't feel the same way. But there's a huge difference in saying the team is good versus the players are good, and the team is bad. Yes, the team is bad, but the individual contents of the team are quite good. Yeah, and it's like the Theseus's ship argument. If you replace every single piece of an entire team, somehow, some way, even replacing every single aspect of the Browns team, we are still the same Cleveland Browns team. No matter what happens. Like, is there anything that could happen that would make this a good, the Browns a good football team if this doesn't? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've thought about that too. It's like, how, how do we make positive moves and still come up short? Coach, is it, coaching. Is it not shocking slash super depressing that we are our record is a half game worse through eight games this season than it was last year. When Hugh Jackson got fired? When Hugh Jackson was our head coach. Also, irony of all ironies, you know who our two wins were through eight games last year? The Jets. The Jets and the Ravens. <laughs> it's true. That That's funny. funny. Two teams we've beat this year so far. Well, if we finish the way we finished last season, I will be hopeful again next year. We'll finish seven and nine. <laughs> Only to have my hopes dashed once more. All right, so Michael, you think we change the coach? Problem solved. No, it, it's not that simple. It's not that simple. I mean, I, I don't think it's an easy change to find like the right coach. Like, I don't think there's that many coaching staffs in the NFL. There's maybe ten coaching staffs in the NFL, maybe that I would, like, switch with and be, like, happy with. It's just not an easy proposition. And so I'm not quick to pull the trigger. I don't think that we should be firing Freddie Kitchens mid-season. Although the only reason I do kind of like that idea is just having one voice in the offense. I wonder how much having Monken and Kitchens is just, like, muddying the waters. The only reason I would like be a proponent of getting rid of kitchens would be clearing that situation up. Because yeah, we talked about this last week when we brought up the possibility, like what needs to happen if the Browns lose against the Broncos, and and that was that was the point that I made was that it's time to change something because it's not working. Either and get I, rid of Monken or, or, or let him start kids, calling the plays. You know, like. You can't it's get rid of Monken. What well, he hasn't he hasn't necessarily done anything wrong. Well, I'm saying one of the two things has to happen. Like I I heard him on the Surviving the Season podcast say that our he's our offensive coordinator and our offense is not coordinated. Yeah. <laughs> like it, it just isn't. That's hilarious. Okay, but you know what also is hilarious to me? Do you remember what Todd Monken said about how he made his decision about where he was gonna play? I've been thinking our about coach. it. He, yeah. he wanted he to become coach with Freddie Kitchens. He no Yes, like he was. I think he felt good about Freddie Kitchens and what they were building. But he said he wanted to go somewhere where it was where they were going to win because winning is fun, and he knew that we were going to they were going to win in Cleveland, and couldn't be worse. Couldn't be further from the truth. A word to the wise: beware. (laughs) He's not wrong. I mean, winning is fun. But he, that is not, not what he received. Cleveland's by, just not the place to win. Yeah, apparently. I've been thinking about him the last couple of weeks. <laughs> As a human being? 
Yeah, like, he hasn't been in front of the media in a long time. I just wonder, like, what's going on? Like, there's something going on. And, like, I want to know the inside story. And, like, what is Todd Monken thinking right now? Like, oh, dang it. Nothing. Should have stayed at Southern Miss. <laughs> I just, man, should have taken the Jets head coaching job because I sure as hell would be doing a better job than Adam Gase. Like, all, there's lots of things. And he would have some control. That's the thing that it must be so frustrating to have your offensive philosophy. And I think that's the real problem is that there's multiple voices that are speaking to different offensive philosophies because Freddie Kitchens and Todd Bunkin definitely have different offensive philosophies. And our offense doesn't have one person steering the ship. Yeah, the, the, the different philosophies have not melded into an identity. And, and we, have, we have no identity. We seemingly don't know what we're, what we're trying to do on a week-in, week-out basis. Um, and we're certainly not effectively utilizing the, the weapons at our disposal. Um, so there's, there's nothing to lose by making a change at this point. What would and the change I'm, be? I'm not, I'm not calling for anybody to be fired necessarily, but, but make, a, make a noticeable difference in um, job responsibilities and duty allocation. You know, let um, Stump let Mitchell, offensive coordinator, head coach. Yes, yeah, Stump Mitchell will run the ball every single time. It'll Only be to be promoted to head coach next year. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, it'll be the Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt show. Um, but I mean, at this point, sitting at two and six, I, I, I think you're doing yourself a disservice not to um, try to shake things up and see if you can't find a, a combination of with the same personnel, with the same coaches, that yeah. maybe works a little better. All right, so Michael Matthew, obviously with your limited information of the inside, without all of the details, what would be your prescription? If you could make the change right now, make the call for what needs to change, what would you do? Michael, you go first. I think I just said it. I think I would. I think I would give the keys to the offense to um, Todd Monken and let him call the place, and just see what happens. Then you have a scapegoat if it like keeps going worse. But like, then you've got a good offense if it works out. Like, I just don't see what we're losing by by doing something like that. What we're doing right now is not working. Something has to change. That seems like the most obvious solution to me. Like the offense he produced in. Tampa last year was phenomenal. And you would think we have the weapons to do exactly that. To to produce something significant. And so I, I don't know why we wouldn't go one way or the other. And that would be the way I would lean. Yeah, I mean, the, the other direction would be basically tell Todd Monken that you're not listening to his like influence on the offense anymore and just go back to what Freddie was doing. Or you even let him go. Years. Or you even let him go. I don't think it's his fault but yeah yeah you you let him go or let him resign whatever however you want it to be and you go back i mean i think it's it's interesting at this point i mean we've got guys like bob wiley out there saying ready kitchens isn't cut out for it he there's a lot of people who were helping him along and he's taking all the credit and so far the proof is in the pudding uh well another thing maybe bob wiley wasn't quite as crazy as everybody said he was well another thing bob wiley was talking about was how important 
um, the quarterbacks coach was last year. I'm drawing a blank on his name. Zampezi. Zampezi, who's been in Gainesville. He coaches on the Gators coaching staff right now with Dan Mullen. But, um, and honestly, Baker Mayfield is not the same player as he was last year. And I think it is definitely not. He looks a lot like Ryan Lindley, actually. (laughs) Ooh. That's not what you want. Uh, not what you want. You, <laughs> Ryan Lindley's a coach right now for a reason. Um, yeah. And it is more than just the scheme. Like, Baker, the plays are there many times for Baker Mayfield, and he is not comfortable, which could be coaching. He's hesitating. He's leaking out of the pocket earlier in the season. I don't think that's been a problem as much in the last few weeks. But, like, there's lots of issues that are there that just weren't present last year. He was playing with a different type of confidence and comfort level that is not there. That fourth down play, we talked about it before we started came on the podcast, but like everyone's barking about Uno Beckham being open. My point is Landry was open the entire play. If he throws it to him earlier in the play, anytime after his break, we're getting that first down. But instead, he takes a quick look to Odell, decides not to go in that direction, looks back at Landry, has a half-pump fake before he actually decides to deliver it. And by the time he actually delivers it, he's trying to feed it between two defenders that are crashing in on Landry, and they're not able to make the connection. I still think Landry could have potentially caught that ball. But Baker made it so much harder than it had to be on that particular play. He could have just trusted Odell or he could have just fired it right off the bat to Landry instead he hesitated and even threw it off his back foot and it just shows a general level of discomfort like there wasn't a crazy amount of pressure the with the pocket crashing in on him it was a huge play in the game like Baker doesn't have the moxie that he had last year and it's a big deal and if that doesn't come back like we're gonna have a hard time like being a good football team what's changed i I think he needs to get divorced (laughs) i I think the marriage is the old ball and chain is sorry emily is pulling him down (laughs) (laughs) that's the only thing i can put my finger on it's it is one one factor it very well could be (sighs) oh yeah no i couldn't agree more he's a completely different completely different quarterback we look like a completely different team and we are but we've seemingly got better at almost every position except for offensive line and our offensive line hasn't i mean the offensive line atrocious different the coaching's a little bit different there's no zampezi you know there's another voice but like there's more talent too like on the offense like are we is the coaching staff just relying on the talent too much and you know we're not like scheming things up like we were last year where we knew we had to scheme things up in order to make something happen last year. And so we well, brought some I, different that's what I think. And that's what I, I, you see the difference between what the Browns are trying to do and what like the Broncos were trying to do um, yesterday. I, I think that we're, tr- we're asking too much of Baker Mayfield at this point, first year back this like new offensive scheme. However, it's changed. Um, we're maybe putting the cart before the horse a little bit. 
where we would be much better off kind of going back to a similar offensive scheme. Yes, maybe maybe this is where we'll get someday and we'll execute like a, a very complicated offense, but I just don't think that the offense needs to be that complicated when you have Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry, Nick Chubb like to, to utilize. Like there, there's got to be simple ways to get these guys the ball and utilize their ability to make stuff happen with the ball in their hands. And Baker's best when he's just distributing the ball quickly to people accurately and not trying to run around and make plays. And that's what we saw him do when he came in the Jets game, his very first game he played. And that's what we saw him do when we were winning games down the stretch. Yeah. Um, all right. So I, I want to go back to this, this coaching question. So assuming you, assuming we make a coaching change, Freddie doesn't make it. We lose to the bills. Then we lose to the Steelers. We make a change. We cut ties with Freddie. Who is the solution to our problem? Who would, who would you want to hire? In the off season or in the, or are you asking who the interim would be? Either way, both hand. Um, I think Steve Wilkes is the obvious answer for interim because he's been a head coach before, even for a, a horrible year in Arizona. Um, and then that, that's it's so tough. uninspiring, I mean, though. Steve Wilkes I mean, is so but uninspiring. You need an inspiring interim. Like it worked last year. It was inspiring. <laughs> it did. Maybe. I mean, let's bring him back. Maybe Greg Williams right, is the answer long term. Who is the most gregarious, like inspiring assistant coach on the Brown staff? Like, if you had to pick the most like raw raw guy, come on. I don't know, but like he's no, like an Mitchell is I don't, grounded and yeah, like, he seems like kind of like quiet, serene. I don't know if he's. I don't think he's that guy. I think he's got like a persona about him that is unique. I don't know what's Campy like. Potentially, I. I think the craziest raw raw they would never make him the the, the <laughs> coach, head coach is is Tosh Lapoy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, probably. He's like the I craziest get like get in your face and like yell and get crazy and like rile everybody up. Like But isn't he only like twenty nine or something? He's like, not, I don't think he's that old. No, like like I said, they would never make him the interim. But if we're asking the question, who is like the craziest like rah rah like <laughs> let's go make it happen option? It's probably him. What about Anthony Henry? Yeah. Give him his shot. I mean I feel like everybody likes Anthony Henry. Guy. Yeah. Wouldn't be a bad call. Um, how much different is it than Freddie Kitchens? It's got to be Wilkes or Monk. But, but seriously, but, how much but, difference is that than Freddie Kitchens? But Freddie Kitchens would, stepped into the offensive coordinator position and then killed it for an entire half right. of a season, and then he was promoted to head coach. Like he he took on more responsibility, and then so I think it's I think it's different. I mean, I would love to see John Dorsey be the head coach for the final eight games. Honestly, I think we might get better results. That's the right answer. That's the, mean, right answer. the right answer. You talk about a rah rah guy that can get everybody fired up. <laughs> who, who isn't playing for that guy? On the All right. Especially when you know he can cut you if he doesn't like what he sees. All right, boys. We're going to get out there. We're going to hit some belly. Should it, be, should it be Dorsey or Alonzo Highsmith? Dorsey. A, com- for a sure. combination of them both. Yeah. 
Ozzie Smith can coach the defense. Which only makes me think of Elliot Wolf being the head coach. Can you imagine? I, I'm a big proponent of the CEO type head coach. The Belichick, the Belichick yeah. situation. Yeah, you're no, just you're Elliot, a manager. Elliot Wolf, Elliot Wolf could be like a Kellen Moore type offensive coordinator. I feel like Elliot just... Wolf is more of like a tech CEO than a standard CEO, but a little bit goofy. <laughs> um, all right, so we go into the off season. We we decide to fire Freddie in the off season. Who's your number one guy? Oh, I. If I was Jimmy Haslam, I would be doing everything within my power to get Lincoln Riley to come to Cleveland. I mean, Lincoln Riley is by far the top head coaching candidate amongst NFL teams. Like, the teams that know they're moving on from their head coach would love to have Lincoln Riley. My take is, Lincoln Riley has a pretty cush job in Oklahoma. I would imagine he would only want to come to a team that has like legitimate chance to win. Is it cush though to be a college head coach? You have to deal with recruiting. Okay, like, okay. It's like it's you so and I much are more. on the same. You and I are on the same wavelength. But you're also the king of the castle, and there's like no one else barking up. You're your the tree. GM and the head coach. You're you are in charge. It is yeah. your deal. And so if you are okay with the recruiting and like going and like cozying up to 17 year olds and their moms like i don't like that phrasing that's but okay <laughs> that's what it is i mean it's like i i would hate to do that part of the job i really would hate to do that part of the job but, but it's it, also I, I think that as a high-end college football head coach like he's getting on oklahoma's private jet to fly to these games and then go sit in the living room but he's, he's not he's not driving around like grinded from high school to high school like that's that's the lower level recruiting staff and the, the no but the what you staff. don't understand but he's got to like text guys like what, but probably- what you don't understand is the amount the volume of texts yeah. and handwritten notes and like outreach like for every four or five star recruit that comes they have literally hundreds of touch points. Oh yeah, and There's, like m- when those top guys need to get recruited, it is all coming from the head coach. There's people on their staff being like, "Hey, you can text uh, sophomores now. You you better go like text those sophomores." And then he has to go to his list and like text a bunch of sophomores in high school that he's starting to like try to recruit and like put in that. Like that would just be it, personally. That would just be. I, I would much rather be an NFL head coach where the only thing that you're focusing on is football. Like yep. football is your main focus. You have your players. Those are the guys you got. And you have to coach them and put them in the best situation to win a game. I would think that the NFL would be a much better situation. So I'm certain that this has changed because it's been a long time since I've been anywhere close to a college football program. But when I was in college, I did work for a semester or two in the Florida football office. And the coaches every single day at the end of their like coaches meetings would sit and write 20 handwritten notes to recruits every day. That sounds horrible to me to do one day. You'd get good at it. (laughs) But like, that's just the type of thing, like, I would hate it. But I could see how somebody would like being like the head honcho and being in charge and like being okay with that whole thing when you get in a groove. I don't know. Lincoln Riley is... The only name that I would like have no hesitation about coming in, taking over for Freddie Kitchens, and me feeling good about it. 
Okay. Well, let me. Let Baker me Mayfield's out. old head coach, obviously makes sense. Yeah. Who else are you thinking? Won him the Heisman Trophy. About to get Jalen. Right. The whole Baker connections, Hurts. the talent on the yeah. team. Like I think it's an the Browns are an appealing option in the NFL. Like uh, better than the Falcons. Better than you know some of these other teams that are probably going to be moving on from their head coach. So Matthew, what are you? What would be another alternative? Yeah, I think that um, an alternative for the Browns could, potentially could be Kevin Stefanski coming over from the Vikings, who was the, the other finalist last year, a guy who uh, Paul De Podesta really pushed for. Um, I also think Josh McDaniels is going to be a, a huge name. I mean, he's, he's obviously stood up the Colts two years ago to go back to, to New England, but I mean, he's mistake. been a head coach. He's been a head coach, went back, ran that offense. Like he's always gonna be at the at the top of those lists. And I'm not saying I want him, but I'm saying you could hire a lot worse people, like Hugh Jackson. He's from Ohio. He is from Ohio. And then a, a name that I would jump on in a heartbeat if they were dumb enough to let him go would be Matt Nagy in Chicago. I don't think they're going to let Matt Nagy go. They know that the issue there is the quarterback. I think they're going to let go of the GM before they let go of Matt Nagy. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, I would, it depends I would on jump who's on making Matt that Nagy call. Too. If the GM's making that call, the head coach is going. Matt Nagy would run train with our offensive weapon. That would be a whole nother beast. If Matt Nagy had what we're working with here in Cleveland, I mean, it's a completely different beast. It's like a complete opposite from what he's working with there in Chicago. Man, wouldn't it have been great to have let go of Hugh Jackson um, the year we should have and actually had an opportunity to hire Matt Nagy the yep. first time around. Yep. Agreed. Who, who else are the kind of hot, hot head coaching names? I mean, I, I can't even think of... Well, no, that's the uh, problem. That's my point. It's like there's not that many like good, talented coaches I, that I would feel confident in like coming yeah, who's, in. Who's the quarterback's coach for the Rams these days? <laughs> Some like 25-year-old kid, probably. I don't, I don't know. It's a good question. Yeah, what's, what's Jim Bob Cooter doing now? Is he still, <laughs> is he still with the... He's Do people still like that? No, Jim Bomb Cooter had like two games worth of shine, and that was about it. Now, yeah, no, I like, I like the Josh McDaniels idea. I, I mean, that makes sense, and Cleveland seems like a place that he would choose to go and want to stay with the weapons that we have. It has been seven years since Josh McDaniels was a head coach. But I mean, he had... His success I mean, was mainly due to the and I'm saying I'm Timmy saying that's Tebow. a I'm saying that's a pos- <laughs> I'm saying that's a positive thing like you know yeah. like he had the head coaching experience and he has clearly blown it out of the water as an offensive coordinator since coming over back to the Patriots and running the show like I definitely think that if he chooses the right situation he's going to succeed. Um. We and could, the we Browns, could go back to the Patriots and do what everybody else does, hire their defensive coaches. We could get Steve Belichick, Bill's uh, <laughs> 32-year-old son, who was a long snapper for, like, Rutgers. That's hilarious. He's the rattiest-looking person I've ever seen in my life. Even rather than Bill, I haven't, I, I, haven't, I haven't seen, laid my eyes on Steve in a while. He's real ratty. 
got a little mulletish going on. Like he he looks like a snake. Yeah, honestly, I, honestly, my dream is I I think there's a little part deep down inside somewhere, Bill Belichick, that he wants to come back and make it happen in Cleveland, and I think that would be the, the crown jewel in his in his crown. People say that's that where though crown jewels that go. I, I hear like more national NFL like an insider types say that that's his perspective related to the Giants more so than the Browns. Um, since, you know, he came up under Bill Parcells with the Giants. Um, I, I, what would be like the minimum? I, I agree with you. It would be awesome to have him come over. But obviously he, he would, doesn't he have that many years control. left. How many, so how, many, how many years of uh, Bill Belichick would you need for it to be worthwhile? What's the minimum you, number of years you would take of Bill Belichick to make it worthwhile? I, I don't think you could expect him to win in the first year, just in general. Um, and I, no games, I, just 0-16? No, no, you don't win the Super Bowl, I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> zero, um, zero games, sir. No wins. I would do it, I would do it for three. If, if I knew that he had like three good coaching years left. Yeah, I, I mean, would, right I would now. Because head coaches and GMs don't last very long in this league anyway. Three years isn't much like less than what you would expect from a tenure in the first place. I'm trying to hit in your window anyway. And that's where we're in. Here, here I'm, I'm, here's a name. I'm kinda, yeah, go ahead. Eric Bieniemy. No, thanks. Why? Just because he doesn't call the plays? I mean, you Eric love Bien-Ami. you love you love Matt Nagy. You want so, Matt Nagy. Eric Bieniemy knows the system just like Matt Nagy does. So my issue with um, Eric Bieniemy is that his he seems just as soft as Freddie Kitchens, and I feel like our team's just not disciplined and isn't like guided very well. And I think the same issues would persist with an Eric Bieniemy. Everyone that plays for him loves him, and I just it's like a Romeo Cornell, Teddy Bear, Freddie Kitchens like situation. Love Romeo Cornell. I would love Romeo Cornell to be my grandfather. I would not <laughs> love Romeo Cornell to be my head football coach. <laughs> uh, I love our grandfather, and I think he would be a great head football coach. <laughs> okay, but he's <laughs> yeah, very he different than Romeo <laughs> Cornell. Like, I would love Romeo Cornell to be my head fo- my grandfather because I could talk to him. Yes, about like real life things. And he would sit there and listen and like pat my head and like I'd feel heard. That's not this current situation with Shondor. As much how, as I love Shondor, how that's definitely can you imagine not. like laying your head on Shondor's lap and just telling him about your like life worries? I I want to try that now. I I would love to do an experiment and see what would happen. How, oh, how many hilarious. games did Grandpa um, last in the NFL as the head coach before he was fired for like poking his players with sticks and trying to feed them raw meat? I mean, on look, I think a- he's a good fake it till you make it. Oh, type of on guy. look alone, I feel like he could last <laughs> as long as Freddie Kitchens has this season. <laughs> yeah, I mean, how many games did Tom Sula get in, in San Francisco? I mean, a full season. At least got like the Tom Sula effect. You look at Shondor on the sideline, and you have some confidence. In, in what's going on. Um, 
Okay. Yeah. All right. Let's move on. Uh, let's <laughs> let's talk about every week we pick the lines. Um, we pick the lines of the primetime games, the Thursday night, the Saturday night, or the Sunday night. I apologize. Um, Wait, are we not going to talk about Eric Whitehead or, or Jermaine, Jermaine Whitehead. Whitehead at all? Oh, yeah. I totally missed it. Um, what, what about Jermaine Whitehead do you want to hit, Matthew? Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I, think I don't really think there's anything got, to know. I, I think it's notable <laughs> that he got cut for, for calling uh, Dustin Fox, among other things, uh, uh, a, a bitch made ass little boy. <laughs> You're supposed to caveat it with the explanation. <laughs> <laughs> There's no caveat needed. Oh, that is what he said. He's just a made-ass little boy. Oh, <laughs> Dustin Fox. Oh. Just taking it on the chin. You have to in that situation. Uh, there's no other There's no other way to handle it. Yeah, so Jermaine Whitehead, after the game, went Who absolutely... sucks? Like, really oh. played horrible. Like, he was the one in the best position to make a tackle on that Noah Fant touchdown. And Didn't get it. couldn't make the play. He was the one that was covering um, on that Sutton touchdown on the other side of Denzel Ward. He was coming in in help, and he quit on the play. He could have attacked, and he didn't. Um, multiple things, but he just went absolutely off after the game. I mean, we were angry. We were frustrated. I can't even imagine how frustrating it is to be a player playing in these games and then losing. You're even more invested than we are. Um, and he just went off on Twitter threatening to kill multiple people, um, which is absurd to even say it's not funny, but it's a little bit funny. Um, Twitter canceled, like suspended his account. Twitter did that. The Browns had to make a public statement about how ludicrous his comments were and that they Browns do not condone that sort of language or response. And then he switched to a different social media medium and went to Instagram for his commentary. He's like, well, and I still got my Insta. <laughs> How awkward was that plane flight back home from Denver for him? Not as awkward as when Kellen Winslow was in the building. <laughs> <laughs> that, is, that is true. That is true. Oh, man. So I it's just... not the most awkward thing that's happened on a Cleveland Browns airplane. So, <laughs> <laughs> Winslow and his porn DVDs. <laughs> just, a whole, just a whole binder full. you know we never actually talked about this on the podcast yes we no, did we didn't. no, no we, we didn't, didn't. Um, it, there was uh, our producers told us we weren't allowed to <laughs> um, so Jermaine Whitehead's been cut by the Cleveland Browns he is no longer a Cleveland Brown and is not looking like he's going to be in anything in anywhere in the NFL anytime soon um, but I was seeing people on Twitter reacting like like talking on other um, threads, like, yeah, man, that's crazy. Like, do you see Jermaine Whitehead is like threatening to fight people on Twitter? And people are like, oh no, he's not threatening to fight people. He's threatening to kill people. He is trying, and he was, it, he was not happy, displeased to say the least. So honestly though, just looking at the fewer, like pure on the field football perspective of this, I'm so glad that Jermaine Whitehead got cut by the Browns today. He's been, he had his like moment in that uh, Ravens game earlier in the year and made a couple of plays. Other than that, he's been really bad. Really bad. 
And I mean, if the Browns if the Browns had other players to to replace him with and had were healthy at that position, I mean, it's not unreasonable to think he would have been cut just for his play on the field. Correct. I mean, he's been really bad. Like I I don't care who comes in and takes his spot. Like it's clearly addition by subtraction in my personal view. I mean, obviously Justin Burroughs will get more playing time. Uh, Great, even I love even, even when everybody's even when everybody's healthy. Uh, we need Eric Murray to come back, and we need. Uh, Are we going to see some more Sheldrick Redline? Redline's hurt. He got a hamstring injury still. Yeah, he's been hurt. He's been banged up. Um. So, all right. Hate, hate to see it. Hate, hate to, see, to it. see it. Bye, Burris. It was a good run. No, no, by Whitehead. By Whitehead. It was a good run. Burris will probably be gone soon, too. All right, let's move on to the lines. Michael. We had a rough week. Guy. We had a rough week. Of the nine picks we made last week between the three of us, we only uh, one, had one correct selection. So let's just move on from that. Although, I will say, I got a good laugh when I looked at the last three weeks of your picks, Mark. Yep. Three weeks ago, you had straight losses. Well, that was uh, that was a coin. That was a coin that picked those. And when I listened, I was upset. Well, three straight losses. Fair enough. The week prior, you had three straight wins. Love it. And then again this week, you had three straight losses. All right, here come those three wins, baby. <laughs> um, which leads us to this week. And the Thursday night game is the Los Angeles Chargers. Not having to travel far. Heading across the bay to Oakland. And they are favored by one point, the LA Chargers are. And so, Matthew, you still are in the lead, barely hanging on over 500. We will give you the first right to choose this game. What is your pick? Oof. Chargers on the road, favored by a point. Um... I'm going to go to the Raiders. The Chargers here. play on the road every game because nobody even <laughs> comes to their home game. So that that's fair. I'm going to take the Raiders here. I mean, the, the Chargers are coming off a two-game winning streak. They they barely beat the Bears on a missed field goal by Eddie Pinheiro at the end of the game. Uh, Bears aren't that bad. Yeah, the Bears are kind of bad. And then they they did have a good win. Really real bad. bad. <laughs> They did have a good win against Green Bay, and I don't know if y'all heard Aaron Rodgers' post-game press conference. He made allusions that um, they'll reevaluate um, their their decision making when they're in LA next time, making an illusion that that maybe some of the players did, did not handle themselves in a professional manner leading up to the game, um, which which might explain their their lethargy. Um, but Oakland's been surprising. Um, I think that Oakland comes out at home. And is able to take that. All right, Mark. I too am going to go with the Raiders. I um I I just think Gruden has been a surprisingly good head coach. That offensive line is ginormous. They um run the ball really well. Um and Josh Jacobs had a really great season. And um I, I like the Raiders. I, I think Josh or Gruden's doing a really good job. Uh, with this team, and I don't really like the Chargers. I know the Chargers beat the Packers last week, um, and that was very surprising to me. Um, but I'm going to take the long-term view, and the Chargers have not been very good this season, and I'm going to take the Raiders. I've been surprised by them time and time again. 
Um, the Chargers are a talented football team, kind of like the Browns that have underachieved. The difference is, is the Chargers have won a couple games in a row and are starting to figure things out. I'm going to take the Chargers in this game because I think they are objectively a better football team than the Los Angeles Raiders. And they're only favored by one, so I'm comfortable with that. Let's go Philip Rivers. Yeah, well, all of the Los Angeles Ra- Raiders are probably like 50 at this point. Yeah, there's none of those. It's, it's been a while. <laughs> the LA Raiders? What are you talking about? Doesn't exist yet. That, that's did I what say you LA said? Raiders? I'm an idiot. You did. LA Chargers. It's been a real long <laughs> Dang time it. since they've been the LA Raiders. I hate it when I'm wrong. I don't even know if you really were born do. Last time they were there. Really do. I know you do. All right. Buffalo. Oh, the next game is Minnesota at Dallas on Sunday night, which uh, the Cowboys currently winning on Monday Night Football, about to take care of the Giants. They are favored in this game against the Vikings by three points, which is basically saying it to pick them because this is in Dallas. Mark, I'm going to let you pick this one first. Um, the Cowboys have been so hot and cold this year. Um, it took until the second half for them to even begin to put away this Giants team, which I obviously do not think is very good. Um, I, I like the Vikings. I think they have a ton of offensive talent. I think when Kirk Cousins plays well, he plays very well. Um, the flip side of that coin is also true. Um, but I'm gonna take I'm gonna take the Vikings. I like them to win the game outright, and I like them. So I'm gonna take them. If Dallas is favored by three, I'm gonna take the Vikings. All right, Matthew. Yeah, the Vikings defense is really good, and the Cowboys defense hasn't been. Um, I think that Kirk Cousins and Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen, if he can play, um, and don't forget about Dalvin Cook, are gonna gonna do some work and put up points against the Cowboys defense and. They'll win the game. Well, I'm happy to take Dallas in this game, so I'm going to continue to go against the Tide, and uh, I'll go with Dallas. I like that team. Which leads us to the Browns game. I don't know if I want to look ahead to the Browns game next week. Let's give it a quick preview. Buffalo at Cleveland. We're looking at the second half of this season. We've said it's a soft schedule. If you look at the toughest game, probably in that back half, it might be this game against Buffalo. And what are you expecting to see? Like, what do you want to see from the Browns? Like, we're playing Josh Allen and a well-coached team. Sashi had had his way. Our coach would probably be Buffalo's head coach. So, I want to see a big fat L. I want, I'm, I'm back in old Browns mode. I'm playing for draft stock. Do you really want them to lose? No. Or do you want them to get back to like five hundred or nine and seven? I mean, no, that's what I really want. But I mean, if you if I could really choose right now, I think I would choose for us to lose out and have the first pick in the draft. They're not going to have the first pick to get Chase Young. If they lose out. Yes, I, that would be that would be great. Olivier Vernon, what did what, what was his knee injury? I haven't seen any updates about that. They haven't updated anything yet. That is actually an important thing we haven't like, talked about. Trading Jannard Avery and then having Olivier Vernon go down with a knee injury that same week is pretty brutal. I mean, isn't that the logical decision? I, I, uh, you could say all you want about like, oh no, team morale, and you have to. 
Like you spent an entire off season getting angry, getting angry about the fact that you lost and wanting to win more. You get an entirely new head coach in. They wouldn't take. They wouldn't take Chase Young. They no. take Tristan Worf. Well, I would hope they would trade back. That's what I would want. Trade with the Dolphins. Let them have their Tua Tagliavoa and get a plethora of other assets that they have stockpiled. They're tanking for us at that point. The Browns aren't going to be the top five of the draft. <laughs> no, they're not. But I'm just saying, like, if, if it could all go perfectly for the Browns it, to be in the best situation possible, that's what I would want if I was logically making a decision. I don't but think no, I, don't, I actually I don't, don't think right now that that is the best. I think if you take like the emotions and the humanity out of it, like maybe, but like this team with the expectations they had going into the season to just completely like fall apart throughout the whole rest of the year would put us in a horrible, horrible hole that I don't think the the players themselves could dig out of going forward. I think it's it's pretty important for the morale of this team and for the future prospects for them to figure things out over the second half and have some confidence about who they are and what they can be. I think we're already pretty deep in that hole. There is a long-standing history. There's eight games left. We're literally only halfway through the season. And we're only halfway through the season. If we go 6-2 and two the rest of the way, that's 500, which would be disappointing for the expectations we had, but would, would not be a, a horrible result given the... And uh, is the difference between recent history. the 18th pick in the draft and a top five pick yeah, that but you could turn into on. a lot like more. We, I mean, we also, no, I, we also have young talent that to build on. So to bring it back to the Buffalo game, though, and what we want to see, <laughs> um, what we want to see this week, I want to see us run the ball and run the ball consistently and stick with it. We've got Kareem Hunt coming back, which is, I mean, we saw when we tried to hand the ball off to Hilliard just how ineffective it was. Um, so feed Nick Chubb, feed Kareem Hunt. Buffalo does not stop the run well. Um, and I'd also like to see our defense step up and just be solid in the middle. Like Buffalo doesn't, they've, they've got some speedy receivers, but nobody who's, who's really like terrifying you on the outside, but Josh Allen, like if our defensive line can just be disciplined, our linebackers can be disciplined and we just play solid through the middle. Like we can easily win this game by being conservative on offense and just running the football. We can easily win this game. Do you think the Browns will do that? What is your pick, Matthew? <sighs> Browns are favored. Browns are favored by three I, points. Yeah, I never got I, there. I'm I, sorry, everyone. I, I don't know how the Browns are favored in this game at this point, given what we've seen. Um, I mean, it's in Cleveland, so it's basically saying it's a wash and the Browns are getting their three points for being the home, home team. I'll take the Browns. They'll they'll figure it out. Why not? What do I have to lose? What do you have to lose? All right. This competition between me and Michael, I'm taking the Bills. Trying to beat Matthew. Let's go. No, I already took the Bills. I already wrote it down in the spreadsheet. That's great. You totally can. We can both pick that. It's sad. But I am at like the depths of despair right now as it relates to the Cleveland Browns. And I like if we can't come out and beat the, the Broncos, I don't know how I can expect the team to show up and beat the Bills. The Bills are an objectively much better team than the Denver Broncos are. And 
I fully expected them to come out and beat the Broncos, and they proved me to be a fool. And so, um, until they prove me wrong, I'm going to choose against the Browns. And so that's what I'm doing here. Going with the Bills, unfortunately. It's a sad reality. All right, that's going to wrap it up for this podcast. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. Um, be sure to like or rate and subscribe our podcast. Um, rate us five stars. Um, subscribe. Get every single episode. Leave a comment on our iTunes page. We would really appreciate it. Tell a friend. If you like our podcast, we would love um, for you to tell other people about it so more people can hear uh, what we have to say about the Browns. Uh, be sure to follow us on Twitter at Sin of Our Fathers and on Instagram at Sin of Our Fathers. Send us an email, sinofourfathers at gmail.com. We would love to hear what you have to say about the show. Any uh, comments, concerns, questions about the show, something you want us to talk about, something you want us to talk about less. Um, maybe you want to hear less from me. Maybe you want to hear less from Michael. We might find that funny. We might not do it, but we might enjoy it. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. And go Brown. Go Browns.